Welcome to another episode of the Startup Pirates Podcast. My name is Fabian and this week's guest is Nicolas Tozzoli, CEO and co-founder of Select. Selectic is trying nothing less than to completely disrupt the personnel recruiting space with its innovative tech. This and more about why you should definitely found a startup during your university semesters in this episode. Let's go. The, the most interesting part about Selectic and yourself to me was basically that you were funding and founding uh, the company during your uni semesters. How, yeah. what, can you tell me a little bit about that time and how it played out? Totally, totally. Um, I have to say that it's quite a fun experience, but also a bit tough. So uh, I don't know if I would recommend it, honestly. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But um, no, it was, it was actually... A pretty crazy time since in um, t end of 2021 when we started thinking about Selectic. Um, it was basically in one of the dorm rooms in Falendar um, where we were applying for jobs to do the summer internship uh, for the Mastery Management program at VAU. Um, we were actually seeing that there was quite a bit of issue because we had the first calls with HRs and they were just telling us like, hey, in, in Excel, because you would use Excel from morning to evening, um, how good are you from 1 to 10? <laughs> yeah, like, and every time we were like, yeah, 9, of yeah, course. solid, of course. Nine, At least um, 9. No, yeah. Of course, <laughs> 9, I, of course, yeah. I'm, I'm so fluent in that. But the yeah. thing is that um, when, you told, when you told that, they were like, okay, nice, nice fantastic. Uh, when will you be available for next call and everything? And So they I just believed you? Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah wow, they just believed crazy. you. And it's, I, I like that there is still trust in the people in society and stuff, but um, I mean, how much trust should an HR have? I mean, that is a lot of trust and you have to consider that every call is one hour. And every one hour call after the HR fit call, usually, um, it comes with a person that works in that department where you would work and mm -hmm. it's a technical interview. So you have to consider that every time that the HR has to filter the profile, it's, you know, it's a bit crazy that it, they were filtering just on asking, hey, how good are you in Excel from 1 to 10? You can say whatever you want. Mm -hmm. they, and then they say, okay, let me book one hour call with a manager. That's one hour it's of a manager's time. It's very expensive, right? It's very yeah. expensive. It takes a lot of time. And so we were like, okay, that's a bit crazy. You do that one hour call with the manager and still the manager doesn't ask you anything about technical. You just talk in a bit, like maybe stuff that you also know a little bit. And then they send you this amazing case study, which is something that we hated also. We also saw that and we hated because usually the companies send you a case study where you have to work in what you will do on the job. So like to see if you have practical skills. What, what kind of jobs were you applying for? I think that's a bit that, that makes for context. That yeah. makes context. Um, uh. So this procedure that I'm talking about usually happens for consulting jobs mm -hmm. or financial analyst jobs, but it happens as well a lot in marketing, in product management, in general back office also so you, finance So you jobs. have a background in business administration, right? Exactly, so. yes. Um, basically, my background is in business administration as I come from Italy, also as, um, as uh, I think you mentioned in the intro. Uh, I did a bachelor in economics in Milan, that's where I come from. And uh, yeah, then also for reason that maybe we'll dig in deeper, I decided to move to Germany. 
and uh, so I did a master in management in Germany. So that's a bit of my uh, typical profile, as you say, in Germany, Bevel, mm-hmm. and typical yeah. Bevel jobs that you apply to. But yeah. what I've been seeing then working on Selectic in the, in the last basically year and a half is um, the fact that this type of recruiting pipeline, so all of these steps, not only happen in consulting job or financial services job, but it happens, as I said, also in marketing, product management, IT jobs, so software development, data analysts, data engineers. Also for law positions, we had some requests, also for operations, supply chain. So usually how the majority, let's say, of white collar jobs is that at one point there is this case study. So they send you this email with stuff that you have to do that is basically a simulation of what you will do on the job. So you need to prepare either some slides or work on an Excel or uh, give a project in coding, stuff like that. And it usually takes like, and they tell you, yeah, in four to five days, send it back to us. And usually are this quite large project and you're like, hey, I'm in university or perhaps I'm working or I have my stuff. As a candidate, I don't want to take four or five and days. You don't want to do thing. like unpaid labor. I mean, it's like it, it's also it's because usually like half know. a day of work or something like that. In right? the end, you, you don't you don't know how it will go. You don't know whether you whether you will be hired by the company or however it will go. Then you send this thing, and then the HR take time review that, and you have to present it in front of them. But honestly, you have this week before where you know exactly what the call is going to be. And I have to say, my co-founder tried as a joke, he's a data engineer, he applied uh, for a marketing position at um, a huge unicorn in, in Berlin. And he got to the last step of the marketing position and after four steps they said, we went with another candidate because at the end when they put him to do a bit more of uh, practical stuff, they saw that he didn't know even the basis about it. And I'm like, like what, what the that, hell? That should be the first step, right? Not like the last step in a four step interview process. Logically, it should be. So we were like, this was taking so much time from a candidate perspective. It's so, as you say in German, because now I'm mixing German words, but yeah, yeah, no, no <laughs> as you say. Um, and so it was like, like that was insane. Um, we then decided that um, we could uh, basically, basically the company Selectic was born with another idea in the beginning when we started. We wanted to do uh, into video calls, insert the possibility when you do a video call to have some a different interviewing, video interviewing platform just for recruiting calls. Mm-hmm. So where you can easily share exercises, make the thing a bit more, uh, let's say, um, interactive with the candidate and share more things because we thought to condense a lot of stuff into one meeting. But then we saw and we thought that we could condense the case study, a lot of questions that the HR asked in the first call and a lot of stuff into basically a 20 minutes test that the candidate will do on practical skills. The HR already has a first overview Mm -hmm. of those skills that the candidate needs and then decides based on that whether to, is it worth to spend one hour of time of manager, whatever, or multiple hours of time to invest in other interviews for this person, yes or no. And there is also a huge concept of bias because I have to say that, for example, I saw many people that went to my university, other universities that have um, in the industry a good name, but there were others that were rejected that maybe in terms of skill were 10 times better, but just because you have a brand name, you get through this. Yeah, obviously. I mean, it's, it's like the whole point it, to be part of that university, so you have this like big university brand name exactly. in your background. Exactly, but you have to consider also that it's incredibly expensive, it takes, uh, like you have to move there, pay for the rent there and stuff, like many people cannot do that, 
and they maybe need to live with the parents or go to universities that doesn't have so high fees, for example, and maybe in terms of skill, they will perform 10 times better than the other person. But the CV contains a lot of biases of today. It contains, think about it, it contains information about your gender, information about where you come from, information about what you did, what you studied. Like the whole point of recruiting for an HR will be to recruit with the minimum amount of bias. So just focusing on the skills. Mm -hmm. If you add a test like this at the beginning of your interview, with time you will start screening less CVs and looking at that and then you have 50 people still that you would have even shortlisted 50. But these 50 that we give you through this, we are saying that you don't recruit, you don't have a shorter pipeline, you can have a shorter pipeline, but those ones that you have is more likely that they are in a better quality or at least that they are more suited for the job. At least that it's merit-based. Just so I understand you correctly, uh, by that you mean this is what Selectic is doing right now? So that's, exactly. that's, that's, so that's, that's the company doing, right? That's the change. Okay. Then we switch from thinking to do that to do tests that are, let's say, offline. So they are sent to the candidate and then they can do. So the classic process would be I send my application and then I do the interview, maybe then a technical interview or something like that with homework and then I go through this whole process and at which stage are you now intervening? So you're going yep. before even the application or uh, after that, after the first interview or? That's, that's a very good question that actually we, um, where we think that the majority of value for Selectic is, is when the candidate sends the CV and automatically he receives also a Selectic score, a Selectic test. So in this way, the HR will be able to see the CV and the score together, so in a ranking base. And with time, we want that HR spend the minimum amount of time possible on CVs so that they can focus on why they became HR in the first place, which is to talk with people and not spend. I don't think that any HR decided to be an HR because they wanted to screen CVs and ask technical <laughs> questions about Excel. Like uh, that depends. should be... I mean, HR is wide range. It's also payroll is part of HR, right? I mean, let's, let's <laughs> then, you're right. Let's say then people that work in talent acquisition. Okay. I don't, I don't think so that... So recruiters, basically. Yeah, yeah. When we talk with them and in the, in, the, in the first interviews deciding how to do the product, what they want to do is actually they became... Though they, they went into that profession because they want to talk with people, see the motivation, the psychological profile, um, they, they didn't get into that position to do mechanical CV screening. So the mechanical work that doesn't include thinking and that um, it also can include a lot of bias, as I said before, we can basically automatize it and make the whole process more fair. So as I said, and as you rightly said at the beginning when you send the CV, otherwise some companies also asked us to in implement the software later in the stage. So we have one company that, as a test, they want to do that when they have at the end of the whole recruiting process, four or five profiles, they don't know which one to decide, they just send the test and they see the last, as the last thing, which one. Because you have to think about an important thing also. Um, when HR do all of these interviews, basically they just take some notes on the paper, they talk with a lot of people, but um, it is a bit problematic that there is no central brain for the skills of the people that apply to the company. Mm -hmm. There is no data that the HR can go back and say, hey, why is the quality of the people that apply today worse than the ones that were applying one and a half years ago? What changed? What happened? As of now, they cannot track that. 
do you mean like a subjective kind of change or is there really like uh, numbers and figures and stuff like that that you can track exactly to evaluate that change like in, in numbers in hard numbers yeah totally because uh, at the end the test will give a final score from zero to 100 um, as a mixture of how well the candidate responded to each question and uh, in and each test is done for each position so also, one problem is that as of today, companies use one single test. Uh, many, many companies need to filter a lot of candidates. They use one test that applies to every position. Either I apply in accounting, in marketing, or product, uh, product management, uh, I get the same test. Mm -hmm. What we are able to do is that we are able to deliver tests based on each position. So this practical test, go to test, can you do one plus one? Or then the company tells us what level they want to see for that job that you applied for. Like if I apply for a marketing job, why do I get a logical numerical reasoning test? I should get a creative test that sees, hey, can I set a LinkedIn campaign and simul in the simulation of the campaign, can I get the, the highest return on the advertising spending? You know? That, that means you have to cover a lot of test scenarios, right? Exactly. Do you do that in-house or you give like the software out to a external company or even to the client themselves to develop these tests internally or what's what's the so basically there? we have two ways to do it uh, selectic as a test builder so if the HR wants they can simply drag and drop the question that they want to create in multiple choice or text or other type of questions otherwise um, also included in our in our normal service they give us a list of position we have a questionnaire that they fill out with some specific thing that we need to know then we have a network of experts that also we developed through the last two years, also thanks to our, our current investors. Um, and uh, basically these people are able to uh, create to us the test, upload it into the platform, and then the company automatically sees it. So either they create it by themselves or we give it to them. Okay, um, I see. And yeah. like from my perspective, it's hard to understand because it's such a narrow field in which you're acting in. Yeah. But like what is Selectic or in what way is Selectic better for recruiting purposes than let's say for example Personio or like SAP or these yep. like big tools that digitalize basically all kinds of HR processes. What can you yep. do better? What is your, let's say USP. USP, yeah. let's put it like that. Um, you're totally right. The thing is that um, all the software that you mentioned are ATS. So they are applicant tracking system. What they do is that they receive the CV, um, every information about who applies, the HR can, seize it, can see it, and then through Personio, maybe they can see to what step they go, etc. But Personio, SAP, they don't test. They just um, get the CVs. So, you know, when you send the CV, you actually send it in Personio. So the HR sees it in Personio or, or in SAP uh, success. So um, the, this software just record the CV, and then record all the steps by which the candidate proceeds, like first, second, third, fourth step. So and basically, they just automate the process on their platform instead exactly. of like having everything in email and Excel lists. Exactly. That's what you're saying? Okay. Exactly. Because if you don't have SAP, Personio, etc., you need to send via email your CV. The HR gets the CV via email and then has to read it. So that's why ATS exists. So that you have a form on the website where you send all the information and everything is centralized. So also from there, they can get a lot of statistic analysis and everything, different data, but they don't test. 
So what they do is just that they provide this service and then of course they also provide all the services for managing the people after they've been hired, like, I don't know, recording the timings or payroll or vacations uh, that Personio does. We just focus on the niche of te testing the candidate. And our USP, with respect to other testing platform, because there are other platforms on the market that develop tests and uh, work like that, that the candidate sends the application, he receives a link and does the test, is that they do multiple choice testing. So basically they can be tested about also specific positions, but they are done through a simple, yeah, you put in there the number, you put there a text where you write on the computer and that's it. Um, but what we thought is that the real value added would be to actually test the candidate on the software and the tool that he will then use on the job. So from that question that I said in the beginning, how good are you in Excel from one to 10? Um, we have been able to basically take Excel, cut it, and put it into Selectic to do the exercises to the candidates. So that one question- like a huge technical challenge, right? It was, it was, quite, it was quite, a, quite a huge technical challenge. And uh, from the development side, we learned a lot about what to do and what not to do when you are developing a SaaS platform as a first time founder. And um, basically, um, the same will be done with every software. So let's suppose Excel, right now the candidate in our test has a question that's, for example, for an accounting job that says, hey, in cell C6, there is um, a little issue about how the net debt was calculated. Can you fix it? So the candidate has Excel cut into Selectic. There is actually Excel and actually the candidate can work into Excel there and our software can then tell how fast he was to solve that, if he managed to do the solution, et cetera, et cetera. And for example, also, I don't know, for data analysts, they use MySQL. And uh, uh, we have been managed to put a simulation of MySQL and the candidate performs a little task in MySQL and the software can return a score from zero to 10 of how well he wrote the code. So the real USP is this, that those are job simulations and not multiple choice questions. Mm -hmm. So the HR can act, the score that the HR has is not based on a multiple choice question that the candidate checked on the internet, but it's actually the candidate doing the bare minimum that he says that he knows to do on the CV to perform the job. That makes a lot of sense, um, especially in the context, for example, in the jobs you just described, like yeah. uh, data analyst or financial analyst, yeah. where, where you have tools or hard skills, let's say, that you can test. But what about, for example, like designers, like Photoshop uh, skills? Can you, can you do that as well with Selectic or? At the moment, so at the moment um, where we are right now, no. At the moment we, te we test code questions, we test a question on Excel that can cover a wide range of jobs, SQL for data analysts. But what we want to achieve with time is to obviously doing the simulations takes time to put into the software and it's difficult. So by the time that we will have more resources and uh, yeah, basically more resources, we will be able to amplify the number of softwares that we can simulate into Excel. And in the future, you can do that. Like interesting to say, um, for example, we will also implement PowerPoint because do you know that in every way that you do a PowerPoint slide, there is actually a JSON code. So let's say an identification code that gets generated for how you did that slide. So the thing is that in the future, what we, are do, what we will do with Selectic is that, for example, for a consulting job, 
we can do, hey, write, make a slide about, I don't know, this little case study and or make just the layout of the slide in 10 minutes. The candidate does the layout into Selectic, into PowerPoint, and our software automatically can read if it's in the range of slides that are considered good. Mm -hmm. So automatically, um, there is always a way for the machine to actually read whether the candidate performed the practical exercises in a good way. And in the future, you can do it also with, uh, with um, as you said, designer jobs, because if you say that you need to know how to use Photoshop, and you say, yeah, I can use Photoshop. But there are a lot of levels in how you can use Photoshop, for example, in how well you can use shortcuts, in how well you can, you, do you actually know how to set the first plan to then do the designer thing? Do you know how to eliminate that thing? Maybe one test in Photoshop, once we will manage to put that, will be like, okay, you have this image, can you please eliminate the thing out of the logo? It takes, what, three minutes? Like, you're supposed to know it. It should take three minutes, it otherwise it's gonna be a red flag, right? Exactly, yeah. so it, the candidate doesn't get kicked out, the time starts and just records, for example, how long it takes and what he does during the thing. So um, there are many ways to do tool, uh, tool testing in, in, in this sense. And um, in the future, um, of course, well, this is something that uh, we were thinking to do. It can be combined also with soft skills, you have to think. And in the future, this test can be a bit about the practical and technical skills that the candidate does. And at the same time, also some questions like, I don't know, the big five inventory that tells the personality sides of the person. So 10 minutes about technical question, 10 minutes about soft skills, and the HR immediately has an overview of both. But that, does that not put a lot of time and effort for the applicant before they even like get a first feedback from the recruiter? Like, yeah. From my perspective, if I was applying for a job and then I would send out my application and they would send me a link to just do a test for half an hour, I probably would say, ah, ah next one. Agreed. But how do you, like, Agreed. How, how can you target that problem? It's, um, actually, it's, it's a thing that um, in, in this type of job that I described in the beginning, white collar jobs in, in, in these industries, these tests already exist. Like, with the companies that we are approaching for, for sales, 90% of those companies already have this test, already work with this type of tools, and they work with this type of tool for soft skills. So these things, as of now, already exist in the majority of large corporate white-collar jobs or any type of consulting financial services company. Um, the thing is that we also, for example, yeah, fun to, fun to say, um, we constantly do like ghost applications to see the other tools, and there is one test that we received that required 85 minutes a couple of weeks ago. So it, there is a clear problem also in that. Um, one of our uh, pilot clients, it's, um, a, it would have, it's a huge corporation that actually has this issue. They want to keep the testing, but all of the solutions out there are too long. So they have the problem of targeting Gen Z and therefore they need a quick test. With Selectic, you actually gather so many data points about a person by doing a simulation that they are fine to only ask maybe one question, which is a simulation. And that question takes five minutes, and then the other five minutes ask other multiple choice, and you just take 10 minutes of the applicant's mm -hmm. time. And what companies are saying to us right now is that the if the candidate doesn't even want to take such a short amount of time, then uh, they also don't want to proceed with this type of person mm -hmm. in, in the first place. However, they can decide. Probably depends kind of on the, on the job themselves. For example, in, like I'm a developer, so in the developer space, 
I'm, I'm quite lazy to be honest, which is good because you yep. find efficient solutions usually. Totally. But um, if I would see something like that, I would probably be turned off a little bit from like from the employer, from yep. the potential. Uh, but obviously in our space, it's also very common to have these like coding problems that you receive, as you always said, like for yep. half a day or so later in the interview process. So yep. like companies it, can choose basically. It's basically like, I, I'm not sure right now which one I would prefer or hate more to be honest, because obviously like the smaller time investment is a lot better, but yep. it's earlier in the interview process. So after you have like one or two interviews already um, under your belt, let's say, you are more like invested in this yeah. in this job application and exactly. you have more sunk costs or you're pro probably more likely to to do this four hour task than like the 10 minute task in the beginning yeah i agree totally and and that's something that we offer to the companies also so we tell them you can basically decide when you want to send out this test as i said in, b before we uh, give an advice to use it at the beginning because it has in from what we saw the majority uh, of, let's say, value for the HR in order of time savings and amount of data and bias. However, uh, as I said, some also prefer to send it later. It's, I think that um, when, when it regards to hard skills, it's still a new way. So usually it's done for soft skills. So I think that with time and with using it more, they will start understanding. And as you rightly said, they will start also with giving, giving it out a bit later in, in, in time. We talked about already a bit about the scoring uh, and the scoring system you use, but um, what I'm curious about right now is like what happens, for example, if you are searching for applicants and you, let's say, only get 10 applications or something like that, and then every applicant is not really doing good on your uh, test. So you have said it, the, the score is from zero to 100, is yep. that correct? So let's say all are like below 60 and you would like someone above 80 or something like that. Um, what would be in your words, like the process, what the company should do in, in such a case? Or maybe do you have like a hierarchical uh, scoring, let's say, where the applicants are scored relatively to each other, something like that? Or Yeah, if they receive the same test, um, basically, they are still get, a, get the result out of 100 because that's the level where they are. And this is an interesting insight to the HR, which is what we want to foster, to start giving to the company, not only to track the skills of the people that they already hired, but also start tracking what is the level of the people that apply to my company. Through Selectic, they can see this, the applicants that received the lowest score came from LinkedIn came from our website, came from that fair, came from there. So with time, we want to also give the harsh reality to the company so it's not comparative. It's out of 100 for the test, how they score. And uh, um, the tests obviously are done also by level of seniority. So of course, that's the level that, for example, for an internship position, the test is tailored for that, for a mid-level position is tailored for that. But um, in that sense, um, yeah, it's, uh, we, uh, we actually like the fact that the company can see in a crude way what's the level of the people that are applying because if they would like someone that was scoring better on the test, they need to start thinking, okay, where can I improve how I attract talent to my company and how can I attract if I want better talent, better talent because it's, as I said, as of now, you conduct all of the interviews, all of the video calls where does the where does the data go about how good a person was? 
Mm -hmm. Like nowhere. It's just notes that they take on paper, notes that maybe they write a couple of things on the ATS, but there is also the need to start tracking what is the level of the people that apply to my company, start seeing, okay, then maybe we, are, we, we can do a better job in attracting better talent, you know, or with time seeing how the quality of the talent, let's say quality of the, of the people that apply to my company, why is it going down? Why is it going up? Uh, I want people that at least score 70 on this because I need people that are more ready. So I'm doing something wrong in, in, the, in, the, in the beginning of the recruiting pipeline. Maybe the adunter that I'm working with right now, it's not very good. I don't know any type of thing. Is it like a realistic scenario that you don't hire at all if the quality of the people is not there or? No, I don't. Well, uh, um, it, it's, if you think about it, it's kind of the same as as the process usually goes right now, because if they see that they do 10 interviews out of these 10 interviews, they see that they don't like any one of them, but they still need that person. They will choose the, the best out of them, you know, in their eyes. So uh, it depends on the needs of the company. Of course, if a company needs to hire that person, they just get 10 application. They don't like the technical score or the skills of each one, but they still need to hire one out of maybe, maybe they can hire, they can go forward with the one that got 45 on the score, not the one that got two. Something. I mean, something people like can that. develop, obviously, like... Exactly. Um, I'm like, I, I like the idea a bit that you can like teach every hard skill and you should yeah. focus more on the soft skills. There's like a trend in hiring that's like, this is in the focus of this, of this trend, basically. So how can you apply this to like a hard skill test like you were doing at the moment? Yeah, I, we, we have an interesting concept as of now, which is, um, so basically HRs are employing a lot soft skill testing and this type of testing that we will also implement. But you have to think about um, when, when, you, when you are in the, in, in the business of testing and you go into all this soft skill material, um, there is a huge problem that soft skill testing are just repeating what then the HR does in the first call. Like, I don't believe that there is anyone better than a human to evaluate how is your way of thinking, if you're introvert, if you're extrovert, how you interact with people. So I, as of now, am not a fan of selling to HR a soft skill assessment because in some way they will be, if you think about it, they will be substituting themselves. There are already automatized machines that can read the CV. But isn't that the goal? Like substitute the human because machines can do it faster, more mm, efficiently it's, and it's, cheaper? Uh, ex exactly. That's, that's not our goal. Uh, we still think that any candidate should have um, a, a person that is the HR that is able to talk with them and have an initial evaluation about how that person is because it makes the whole process more human. Um, but the problem is that HR can filter in a better way, less bias, and without substituting themselves, as I'm saying, because we are giving them data that they cannot gather. Because if you think about it, it's impossible to think that an HR is fluent in uh, to hire a data analyst, to hire a software developer, and then to hire someone in finance. Like, 
It doesn't make any sense. Obviously not, because I need to have expertise in all these it's fields. No one can. But isn't that like the whole point that you say you want you want to have less bias, but then you still say you want to have the human in there? Yeah. So I'm not like seeing how that works out right now. Yeah, totally. If you if you think about it this way, when you have the actual test that come from the hard skills, the HR has more unbiased data about the skill of the person and then can decide to talk with the person based on that. Then actually how the HR thinks whether it's worth or not to keep you into the process based on your on how you talk, on how you that's not bias. That is simply either you're a match for this job or not. The bias is when they screen the CV. Can you like but for example if you have like a position in sales that you're advertising or searching for and you are receiving applications, let's say, from a very introverted person, couldn't a test, for example, the 16 personality test or some other personality test filter out these very introverted people for the sales position? Yeah, totally. Because the, like, the profile, at least from, from my perspective, would be uh, for sales, you need someone very extroverted, good, to, good with people, stuff like exactly. that. Wouldn't that be easier to filter out before with a test like that, or it would be it would be easier? But um, as of now, we are not focusing on that. So, for example, sales is a position that um, every HR that we talked to said that it would be nice to have something that filters out the salespeople. But sales is the only position where, if you have to think about it, there is no uh, skills assessment developed at the moment because. Sales is human stuff. Sales is something human. Like, if I have to think about a test for sales, I can think about, hey, how would you change this template for a cold email? But then, of course, your path into the company is that at one point you will talk to the client. So in that sense, as I said, I still don't see the role of the human being replaced because there are some jobs that we cannot test. Mm -hmm. We can test some positions, uh, but it's also impossible to say that we can test every position. Like sales is one position where it's something that needs to be thought out and no company as of now is doing sales tests in the skills assessment. Maybe it will be done in the future and has to be th thought of. But um, at the moment, for example, you need a human to test that. And also like in your example with the cold email, if somebody's good at writing emails, it doesn't necessarily mean they're good with people, exactly. especially in the face-to-face in -face conversation exactly. or something like that. But that's the whole, the whole point. Even if you're not a salesperson, even if you work in, as I said, accounting, which is a role where you don't have to speak a lot apparently with, with, with people, it's back office. Still, the company needs to see if this person could be a good fit to have in the office working next to you in, 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 in the desk next to you. If it's someone that you would like to spend your time with, if it's someone that you would like to go out with to lunch with in the lunch break. So I think that there are some things that even if you work remote, you need to have meetings with this person. Like I believe that there are so many aspects that um, where the HR shouldn't be replaced, but the HR need to have additional data to improve their work and work better and have a better outcome. Um, I still believe that uh, that's where we're going with automation to actually replace people. But I still feel that when you apply, you still need to go through talking with the people that you will work with. Um, because that is, that is fundamental and, um, and, uh, and it's, I think that it's pretty wrong to enter into this similar segment, which is HR. 
with the thought of replacing the whole uh, the whole industry with with a machine, because then that's the person. You, like, if imagine if you were the CEO of a company and and then in the future your entire person that you hire is based on how a machine sees you from 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 a video camera. Yeah. You save money, but then you lose a lot of money because maybe you realize you don't want to work with this person. You have to fire that person. So I still think that um, that, as I said, I don't want to enter into this industry. We are not entering into this industry substituting, but making the work easier, less bias, and um, and comprehensively better from the point of view of data. Having the majority of data to have the best decision possible about who to um, spend and invest time with. That's quite an interesting take because like from a tech perspective it would make total sense to to automate everything and yeah. then still have interviews obviously but I would like if I would, would do a project like this because I mean obviously I've worked with some HR people in the past yeah. and stuff like that but um, I would always prefer talking to the manager directly because I will be working with them directly how can yeah. the HR rep evaluate if I'm even a good fit for the team if they don't work with the team on a day-to-day -day basis. So totally, totally. That's, that's a very good thing because actually people in HR are people that um, have talked with thousands of people through the time that they went there and they then actually know who fit well with the company and who did not. If you talk only with the manager that you work with, that person is maybe very good in the technical things, but doesn't have the psychological basis and didn't see enough people to actually say and see some little things that are red flags or green flags. And um, HR people are, are people that are able to do so and that's why their position and their work exists to this day. What I'm saying is that maybe many of the things that they ask you in the fit call, they can automatize it and ask it through a questionnaire when you send the CV, of course. Maybe they can use better the hour of time when they work with you, of course. But they still need to be there because try to think that if every person that applied to the company direct goes to speak to the manager, then the manager wouldn't have any more the time to work on his stuff. He would just do interviews True. the whole time. Then he is the HR. Yeah. So you still need this filter and that filter needs to be someone that is human to try to understand at best who, like one hour of a manager is, is costly for the company. It needs to be maximized into possibly the best person that he can talk with, not the person that after 20 minutes is like 40 minutes more I'm into this call and I already understood that this person doesn't know how to do one plus one. So. There can, there can be a lot of optimization and improvement in, uh, in time savings and quality over, overall of the, mm -hmm. of the process. I mean, that's like, when I understand correctly, like your mission, you try to bring more efficiency to the whole recruiting process yes. for HR and as well for applicants, right? Exactly. And, and the main long-term goal that we have is to create the first platform for um, having, let's call it a central brain containing all of the data of the people that apply to the company. Companies know perfectly and also have some measurement things about how skilled is your current workforce, but HRs don't track in any way how good are the people that are applying to my company today. They, they, they have meetings where then they say, yes, this year or in the last six months, I saw that Mm, the feedbacks were a bit worse, but 
they don't have actual data that can basically say, hey, this is why this is, and, and actually to then deep dive into understand why. And Selectic has an, uh, an data analytics suite inside that tells, for example, what is the score of the people that come, as I said before, from this channel? Um, what is the average score for that position today and what it was one and a half years ago? And then you can go back one and a half years ago into Selectic and see what you were doing differently. So that's what we want to do to have a centralized brain for skills even before you hire people so that, um, so that you can improve a lot, maybe also your budget for spending and marketing because this market, the budget that they use for people, the recruiters from the company that then text you on LinkedIn or email, it's as well money. And that can be optimized and can be done better and reach better profiles. I think that's what we should all strive for, like making better decisions based on data. So like exactly. data driven. Data driven. Uh, and and that's, yeah. that's what you're aiming for. I really I love the idea to, to have this kind of like you call it brain, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's basically a, a big data set where you can exactly. iterate over and, and make adjustments and see like, okay, um, my applicants are coming from LinkedIn, let's say, okay, uh, the spend there is too high, I'll switch to another platform, oh, now exactly. the score is dropping, oh, I go back to LinkedIn, something like that. Exactly, yes. That's, uh, that's an, uh, an amazing take, to be honest. But uh, now we talked a lot about the product yeah. and um, about like the challenges of HR these days, so let's uh, focus now more a bit more on the company and your founder team and stuff like that. So. Um, you already told me before the interview that uh, you got to know each other uh, at university, right? Yep. While you were still studying. So um, take me through the founding process a little bit. Uh, yep. I know you all also um, have a venture capital fund in the background. Yep. So how did the connection to that happen? And what are the big next steps, let's say, what's coming for you this year? Sure. Um, sure, so we basically met in, um, in as you said, in university. Um, we, we basically had this idea one day, we started working on it and we applied to um, a, a pitching competition uh, for just companies in ideation stage uh, from current and former VAU alumni. And uh, uh, we applied to this competition. Uh, we were shortlisted in the 10 best ideas. And uh, so we were invited to this three, it's called three day startup bootcamp. And it was incredible that from um, Friday, there is the kickoff. And then on um, Sunday, there is the pitch. And the pitch is done, uh, it was done online. Um, when we did it in 2021, still was due to Corona. corona. Okay. 2022, mm -hmm. in the beginning of 2022, still to Corona. But it's crazy that uh, how on Friday, it was an idea in our mind with, an initial pitch deck that was done a bit like that. And then they give to you one mentor to us. It was this incredible mentor that was a former, um, that was a former executive at Y Combinator. He, um, he basically already founded a lot of startups and stuff. So in this three days, we worked from morning to evening on that. And in three days, we had a company. Like we had just an idea from three students on Friday and on Sunday when we did the pitch. We basically had, a, had an entire company revenue model set, initial little things already, even some, uh, even some initial uh, interview with, with people that were HR and just in those three days. And from there, um, basically um, the uh, head of the entrepreneurship center from, from our university contacted us, 
that there was a venture capital fund that uh, works just with HR tech in HR tech vertical that is uh, that was very new in 2022 alligator uh, was uh, actually an interesting uh, partner to talk so we just entered into into this call thinking to get some feedback and we went out of the call with uh, a first investment and um, and um, yeah basically creating a game BA from there in, in, in one month so it was also very interesting to think that we just enter into that call normally a student and during the call we were we were texting like then like Holy hell! Are we doing this? Like, like so? Yeah, this is, that's, you know, it's just uh, like the calls I ongoing, mean, and you're on Discord or, or WhatsApp or something like that, and you're yeah, yeah. We were texting, we were texting, and we were saying, and we were, and, and during the call, like he, um, the the CEO of the fund really loved the idea, and uh, directly was okay. I need to send me more material. I need to do talk a bit with the investment committee, but I think that we can do this, etc. And uh, the process was very quick. Uh, also did a bit on of. Uh, let's call it minimum due diligence on our profiles and everything since it was early, 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 early stage. And uh, from there on, we, we founded the company. Um, I have to say that the uh, founding process um, was long. So one, since we are talking about, not about the foundation of the company, but basically the whole transfer of funds from, from the venture capital fund, since there was also venture capital fund invested uh, into the company, it was, it was long to do to close to close the round. Like usually, they say that uh, it takes six months from the first interaction to closing, and it is true. So it's a very time-consuming uh, activity. Uh, and uh, now, from the next round that we will do, it will be even more time-consuming because uh, it will be, of course, not only one fund, but there will be multiple funds, some angels as well. So uh, it's um, it's actually pretty time-consuming and stressing to do. But um, as I said, us three, then we went through uh, and it was very fun because we did uh, that whole process of funding the company while we were doing our internships because in order to finish our master program, we had a mandatory internship to do. So we were basically not saying to the company... You were basically working 24 hours a day? Or to, yeah, totally. In the yeah. evening when we were finishing work, we were hopping on a call for selecting and start and start working on that. And, um, and also during the day, you needed to do some initial meetings or stuff. So as, as, as I was told, it was fun that you needed to do the bathroom break and then put the filter and do the video call from there. <laughs> and probably sounded like crazy was someone talking in the bathroom, but it was, it was going like that for, for all of us three. And, um, and during that time, we, we managed to, to fund the company, close the funding round and go, and go further from, from, from there. Um, yeah, that was basically. When was that roughly? Uh, it was um, last summer, so it was June 2022 when we when we closed everything. Okay, and then uh, you set up shop and you started developing on the yeah. product. From the from there, from there, it was it was a very interesting turn of events because um, we, as I said, we were first time founders. So we're still first time founders. This means that you have an academical idea uh, idea from online about how to actually found uh, a tech company, but when you do it in practice, uh, there are a few things that you need to consider. And uh, the first thing is, of course, they always say it, but it's very important to start developing once you uh, have uh, the precise customer feedback on a specific thing. Because like two or three feedbacks that, oh, this is nice, it's not enough. You need to enter into hundreds of calls to actually understand 
whether it is worth to then spend a lot of money to start How development. How did you find these customers? Like? Uh, I have to say that uh, it was very useful, uh, our university network, mm -hmm. uh, since um, luckily Veau, from the startup uh, point of view, every time that there is a new founder, you can text every person that is a former alumni and in two seconds he will just answer and do it. That's cool. Um, it, was, it was incredibly, incredibly helpful um, because as, as of now, it's, um, it's, it's the second best uh, uh, startup university in Europe. Um, and uh, the value of the community was great because the, the number of founders like every year is insane. And one out of 10 companies from VAU uh, is actually uh, a unicorn. So they wanted to found, um, is uh, not a unicorn, sorry. It makes it out to a series A funding. So the things that they want to also they have this idea of helping each other. They everyone founds a company every two seconds. So there is a large network that uh, you can use, and um, and and that's the thing. So we did that, uh, and other than that, we were also doing normal outreaches to just have feedback calls, and then we went to develop. And development was very tough because. Um, you, you three are all non-technical or? One, one of us, Antonio, uh, he is a data engineer. So he is the CTO of the company. also has some software development experience. So he was basically able to speak the same language of the developers, communicate and do the thing. But he couldn't code the thing itself. We still needed a, um, um, a developer. So either we hired the developer ourselves or we went to a software house. And, um, and that was the funny thing because from here there was an interesting take since we, of course, came to the, the software development houses in Germany, presented the project, and um, actually selecting a stuff. So you have, as I told you before, you have to cut out Excel and put it into there, <laughs> and then the program needs yeah. to read in the back end the answers and then evaluate based on the answer and give a scoring. It's, it, it, it's tough to do. So it, it's funny that we actually had three software houses that are very big in Germany that completely refused the project. So we, it was super long because every time we were contacting software houses, we had a lot of time for them to do workshop, to talk with us. And then they came back with, guys, I'm sorry, but like this, it's not possible to do. And they were like, there is a reason why it was not done. But they were like, like, how, how, big, how big are we talking? Like the, the really, really big ones in Germany? It's, it's, or? Um, one is one of the major, it's really, really yeah, big. I and mean, like they, they are kind of inflexible. Uh, like they, they don't have this flexibility, for example, that like a smaller like a software house does. Like yeah. if they have like 50 employees, they, they find one who is willing to do it probably. And yeah, the, exactly. the bigger ones have their internal processes and stuff like that. So. Exactly. We also went to a smaller one. Uh, out, of, out of this, there was a, a smaller one that com basically we did two calls with them. They said, okay, give us a bit of time. And um, very small. I'm talking about a few people and then we didn't hear from them anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, it disappears. So it was very tough to find one. Then from there, we were a bit um, scared about how will this survive? Do we even before having a test customer like need to get into funding again and uh, from there Antonio our uh, technical co-founder he knew from his um, childhood um, these um, uh, three guys out of universities that in Catania in south of Italy they founded a, a little it's not, not even a software house they don't even have it's not even a proper company it's just guys <laughs> that are doing that for fun and they were very good 
um, in, uh, in, in everything. And uh, since the beginning, when, once we talked with them, they were incredibly receptive and uh, giving the good things. So we were like, should we just try with them? So also our fund wanted to meet them before, you know, spending months into development with them. And um, we went into development with them. It was a huge bet and it could have costed almost one year because now development took almost one year just for the MVP. And, uh, but they managed to do it. It works and also very interesting. Um, for example, there is a company that is a unicorn in the space, American, that does testing for developers. So do you know that this company, uh, either you write the code perfect and you get 10 out of 10. If you write it not really perfectly, still very good, but not very good, you get zero. So we have one of our test clients that is a huge company that basically told us that they need to enter every time into the test and compare how well the candidate wrote the quality because the score doesn't reflect mm -hmm. the quality. Uh, our software is the first one in the whole space that the score actually reflects also how well the code was written. So you cannot get zero. If you write something, you get one, two, three, four, seven, eight, depending on that. And uh, so they even managed to insert this that somehow, um, uh, yeah, we are also lucky with all the advancement in generative AI that came perfectly and were democratized right when we were um, developing the software. But basically, um, Selectic is able to read the code and give what we call a dynamic scoring. But they even mm -hmm. in managed to insert that. So it was a crazy, um, crazy also point of luck having, so cool. having uh, like, developed. Like, I mean, them. like the, the story is like also very, very cool. Like three students or three, three student founders yeah. and uh, full-time founders uh, together working with three also ex-students who are yeah, by accident, software engineers, and they can do what no German software house, no yeah. East European software house can do. That's like yeah. like a Cinderella story, basically. They right? they have a they they had a very good experience. Like they work for big companies uh, already from two or three years. So uh, one is also an amazing game developer, and game development is uh, one of the toughest um, uh, branches also for uh, for 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 de for develop for software developers. So. Um, they had the skills and everything to, to do that, but we were also lucky that they were interested in taking on a project from a startup and, uh, and, um, and, and do that. So um, it, it went in the, in, in the end, it went well from this, from this point of view and, uh, and, uh, and, and we, we're, we're happy for that, but um, it's, it's very interesting now to see in the future what else can they insert into the platform? And also I think that now the toughest part has been done. From here, we can go to many spaces. We, uh, we can start inserting some psychological tests. We can use this platform also from upskilling because for example, one company reached out to us and they said, hey, um, I want to know the level of skills of my current workforce and where they can improve. Mm -hmm. they, they just send out the test to the people that already work in the company and they can already see in the department, hey, uh, on this this specific aspect, they this, this this person needs to improve, and then they can do a course or whatever based on that. So um, there are many different ways in which such tool can be used. And I have to be honest with you, we are at a very early stage. So also for us, um, we we need to also understand in this point where where it can go or where mm -hmm. this um, simulation technology can can be can be used. 
So you're still currently in beta, so to speak, yeah, right? Yeah, we are so currently in beta. Uh, we will release um, in um, basically from the 1st of August to our pilot customers. Mm -hmm. And uh, also there was interesting because um, apart from the fact that from the traction we had uh, amazing conversion results just from cold outreaches, uh, we managed to get a lot of big corporations, which was pretty good. But at, at, at the same time, you know, as first time founders, you're like, okay, do we straight give out to them to test this thing? Like, no, first with clients that, um, first with clients that signed with us that are a bit medium companies to smaller companies that can test the platform and then handing it out to larger clients to test, which should be the basis. But also it's a little bit of stuff that as a first time founder, you, mm -hmm. you, you have to think. And, um, and what, what and kind so of risk yes. do you see there in not giving it to big companies? Uh, straight away with the yeah. first version, because you have to consider that we are an external software. So when this big company sends out sends a Selectic test out, sends us something from Selectic, um, their company name is associated with us. If the company if the platform stops working, there is a bug. It works weird. Also, from the all point of employer branding is. Uh, is pretty tough. Then they don't work anymore with you because then their name is associated on an external part with your company. Mm -hmm. If it was an internal software, fine. But here we are dealing with people that are external, so they need to protect their image and they want to be set to a certain level of standard and stuff. So um, it, it's delicate. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's delicate because then you have to think maybe a candidate uh, does a selective test with the first version that something didn't work very well. And then the voice gets over that company XYZ is using Selectic. Um, mm, it's not so good the whole experience when you send the application, they get less application or mm -hmm. they lose candidates. We need to be really, really sure before handing out to them that uh, at least the beta version is the best usable beta version. So not the first one. Um. I'm going to switch to a different topic, or maybe just a little bit. But is, is privacy a big issue for, like, from the development perspective and how to treat the user data? Because it's, yeah. I, I imagine, especially for applications, it you is. don't want to get this into the wrong hands, basically, this kind of information. It is. Um, you have to consider that uh, the GDPR barrier in Europe for this specific type of things is very heavy. And um, other countries overseas in the US and Australia, already a similar platform that does job simulation, also Israel exists. Um, but the strong, strong GDPR didn't allow to these companies to work still in Europe. So what we're doing is that we partner with um, a company that took care about all of this stuff for us. Uh, we paid them, they went through the software also a lot of the time that Antonio worked, it was product management, but maybe also even more product management, this whole data privacy thing to make us mm -hmm. compliant. And, um, and, then, um, and then it's doable. But we basically outsourced this whole process mm -hmm. to, uh, to a third party provider that there are startups and companies that just focus on making softwares GDPR compliant when they treat with sensible data. And it is a bit topic, cost us a lot of money to make it also compliant. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, you, you, need to, you need to do it um, totally. Would it, would it be of interest for you and also for the scoring and maybe even the ranking? Let's say I, I'm applying to a software company A as a junior role and then I'm switching to software company B for a more senior role. 
and they both have Selectic in place. I do the test both times um, to make the score for the first company available to the second company. Probably not uh, allowed by GDPR, but... Um, so, the thing is that um, you have to consider that if we actually make one score reusable for other times, then we lose a lot of traffic. Mm -hmm. Our goal also as a company is to make people do the, score, do the test every time they apply to another position because also the skills change through time and etc. So what we have also been thinking is that usually you go through application processes in a matter of time. So when you do the test, this test can stay valid for that specific position for one or two months, but that's it, not, uh, not longer. Because we, we cannot make the same score of the candidate that he got in August available the August of the next year and still valid. Obviously, things change. Um, so we, um, we, we will deal in that way, but uh, then obviously the score will, will go away. But um, this specific score can be stored into, into our databases and uh, it can be made uh, and can be used for other positions as long as the candidate gives the, uh, uh, agrees to that. Mm -hmm. Everything is terms and condition. If in terms and condition, of course, the candidate clicks accept and there is that, that score can be reused when he reapplies and he can choose whether to use the old score or do a new one so that we store his score and then give him the freedom to decide whether to try again and improve his score or keep the old one. They can. If they don't accept that uh, in, in, in the terms, we cannot uh, actually store that. Makes, makes sense, yeah. Um, you already pointed a little bit in the, in the topic of... Um, you, you said you, you would like to have a lot of traffic on the platform. Like That, that brought to my mind something like um, what you are doing in terms of revenue streams at the moment. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. like the typical way for a SaaS company is to, to do like a monthly or yearly subscription yep. and then buy customer, you, you pay a fee or something like that. So yep. how does it look like for Selectic? Um, it's, it's interesting that we, at the beginning, we're targeting only large companies because that's the ones where it made most sense to pay a SaaS fake flat fee subscription. But you have to consider that this makes the whole market of SMEs not attractive for us in the sense because they go through seasonality. Some months of the year, they don't hire at all. Other months of the year, they hire a lot. So they were already like, I'm not gonna pay a subscription for this. And then instead we came up with a credit, um, credit type of, let's say, uh, pricing, which means that we agree on the price of one test with the company. Every month, based on the amount of credits that the company uses, then we build them out of usage. So. For large companies that have a lot of application, we go with the normal subscription, which means that they will pay a fixed amount per month. And uh, with uh, companies that are a bit smaller, we go consumption-based. So depending on the seasonality, how much they use the tests, uh, then we build them accordingly. If they don't use it, they will, build, uh, they will be billed zero that month. Next month, they will be billed maybe 500, depends. Mm -hmm. That's also like a smart move to just keep the small companies happy, right? And, yeah. and still like have the, the revenue coming in when they have the need for hiring or something like that. It, it was a huge barrier go to a company that has a thousand applications per year 
and say, uh, yes, give me 200 euro per month. And then for 10 months out of 12, they don't use the software. That is basically a market that also other skills assessment platform, um, if they don't do this, uh, this um, the system, they lose a big part of the market. By doing this, uh, we can virtually also open our market to SMEs. We saw that they are happy about it because they activate the software and when they activate the software, they don't, they don't owe us anything. If you use it, if you like it, you keep on using it, you pay us. And that means that we are also, since we did that, um, enlarging the pool of companies that uh, will test the software and will use the software by, by, by much more, yeah. I mean, also, like, if the company is not using your software, they're not, like, incurring any costs on your side, so... No, no, exactly. I mean, like, like that's, that, that sounds like a smart business model to me. Yeah. So, um, let's focus now a bit on what's still in the future for Selectic. So, you, you told us that in the beginning of August, you, you will launch the public version of yep. your platform, right? So exactly. What are the next steps or big milestones after that? Yeah, totally. So um, out of that, um, we will actually gather some more product metrics that are not based on interviews and based on assumptions. So actual product metrics from the platform. And that will be what we will do for the next two months, basically. Out of that, um, we already managed to get a, a very good number of initial test clients and then proper clients. So we actually want to enlarge as much as possible the amount of tests that we can give and platform that we, tools that we can simulate. So this means that we will go straight away into funding and uh, we are hoping to close by the end of the year. So we just kickstarted, we officially kickstarted our, uh, our fundraising process with the VAU Accelerator event that happened two weeks ago. And um, through that, we are uh, right now gathering uh, contacts, having calls, and, um, and basically starting the, the, next, the next round, the fundraising as of now, um, so that um, as soon as we have enough product metrics and something like that, that will also, of course, help us to get even more clients because we have even more data to show how this can be useful, um, then uh, we can start enlarging the platform immediately, get more tests, more simulations, hire also full-time more developers and not um, uh, rely on a software house. Because as of now, we're working with interns. Uh, we have uh, four interns that support us in all of the operations of now. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, we will also, of course, want to scale a bit more into full-time people that... So the, the goal would be also to insource the the production or yeah. like the, the development yeah. of the software? Okay. We would like to include much more the guys from the software house that we're working right now from, from, from Catania with, uh, with us because they put the hands on the first version. They are the ones that know it the best. So uh, we would like to keep them also them in the project. Probably and also the only ones who can do these things. So. It's, it's a, yeah, exactly. Apparently, yeah. maybe, yeah. I think that it would be a bit of a mess if we insert someone else into this Think it will take a lot of time and uh, well that's one thing that startups don't have it's time so it, yeah. it, it's good to optimize by getting them immediately in or involving them as much more as we can um, with uh, with the next with the next funding round um, mm -hmm. yeah 
So as you want to involve them also in terms of shares or? Um, uh, yeah, we are also thinking. Uh, we are also thinking on a on a um, on a whole compensation based also on FISOP to include them uh, out of our pool in um, in um, into Selectic already, so that they are also invested more into reaching a goal rather mm -hmm. than just finishing one little project. Yeah, it's it it will it will I be. I see the value in good. that for sure. And uh, but but they are open to that. We discussed with that, so they are invested into the project, and uh, and that's and that is something that is um, that is something that is pretty good. But um, yeah, so basically, it's about product metrics, finding the product market fit. We have a few verticals that are going pretty well. For example, headhunting, financial services. Uh, we saw that there is repeatability in those uh, two verticals, and we want to find the verticals where we can repeat. And then hit them once we find this product market fit with the next funding round. Then we can really think about scaling into a larger, um, a larger sense. But um, as of now, interesting thing also, our uh, test um, customers will be on four different countries: so Austria, Switzerland, Germany, and Italy. And um, and that can also be a metric that shows that this is applicable not to only one market, but the market is actually pretty big. How how easy is it to go to other markets then? If you like, let's say you find the product market fit here in these four countries you just mentioned, and then you go to let's say uh, France or United Kingdom or something like that, do you think it's like the same model is applicable there as well? Um, yes, I think so. I think so. I think that there are some slight differences, but uh, from the first things that we saw is that uh, these four markets worked uh, in uh, in in the same way, which. We still need to figure it out, but the verticals that confirmed in Italy are the same verticals that work the best in Germany, in Austria and Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So um, it's very interesting that, um, for example, Italy is a country that it's very different from Switzerland, but at the same time, the same verticals confirmed. So we think that that is a good signal that this thing can happen also into other markets and we will start targeting that. The good thing is that we provide tests and those are tests that uh, are in one second uh, able to translate in any language mm -hmm. because basically it's through the machine they can be simply in one touch they can be translated. So um, virtually it is very also the whole platform in two seconds you can translate. So it's very easy to target different markets once this assumption about the verticals confirmed. But mm -hmm. as of now, they are. I mean, confirmed. sales in the markets are a, a different thing then, right? They so are. They are a different <laughs> thing. Yeah, they're a different thing. But I have yeah. to say that. As we are doing, which is cold outreaches, normal email uh, and LinkedIn, um, the conversion rates change a little bit, but not very much, depending can, can on the market. Is a ballpark? Um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, in Italy, we are talking about a conversion rate, then then they sign, which is around six percent, mm -hmm. and when we talk about Dach region, we go to four percent. Three and a half, four percent. I think I it's roughly about a lot above market average, right? It is. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, it was pretty crazy because at the beginning, um, when we talk about meetings, we started shooting out these emails in uh, in January, and we shot it just to try. We didn't have a product or anything. We um, shot out not even 100 emails, and uh, it, it's crazy because we got like 30 meetings out of those. Then the meetings were a bit tough to follow up because you were like, yeah, the platform comes out perhaps this summer, so very tough. But out of those already, we got signed some LOIs and things. So 
we saw that already with those few emails, it, was it would have already been hard for us three to keep up with uh, the amount of potential customers if they actually use the platform. Mm -hmm. um, so um, with in, in that regard, uh, the, uh, the numbers were, we, we were also pretty, pretty, pretty shocked by that. Uh, but uh, it um, luckily so struck a nerve there. Like th there's really yeah. a need, apparently. Yeah, because if you if you yeah. think about it, uh, when you tell to the HR that uh, they need to filter people and their work is considered how well they work based on what is the actual quality that then the manager sees of the person, and when you tell them that finally they can also a bit do the work of the manager that the manager hates or the whatever person hates to take hours to do interviews, but that can be a bit automated, then um, they love it. Because when you think about the whole company, like you work in one department, which can be software engineer, engineering, you need to do the software engineer. You, you, you don't do the HR. Like it's crazy that you need to take X amount of hours per week to do interviews. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's not your job. So that can be automated and that it's good if it's automated because it replaces hours of work that, are, that shouldn't be there in the first place to do technical because technicals are not about, it's not a human aspect. You either know your thing or you don't. Absolutely. Psychological yeah. things is different. Yeah, and I think that's like, like the ultimate goal, right? To yeah. to make like the life easier for HR reps, uh, technical interviewers, and also exactly. the in interviewees. So exactly, exactly. As I said in the beginning, I don't want to replace the HR. I don't want to replace anyone. I just want to put the right task at the right place. Your job is to work as a controller. You should do the controller. You shouldn't have twenty percent of your time to do interviews. Because that can be automated, but a, tech, a, a psychological soft skill interview that the HR does a bit of talking with the person, having a human contact, that you can never automate. You can never do it with AI, you can never do it with any machine. Uh, and I also wouldn't want to live in a future like that. That's a nice closing statement, to be <laughs> honest. Let's, let's leave it like that. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Nicholas, for being here, for joining Thank us. You. And I wish you all the best for your future and the future of Selectic. Thank you so much. And every one of our listeners that would like to get in touch, um, you can find Nicolas uh, LinkedIn in the show notes as yep. well as Selectic and the Selectic page. And if you want to get in touch with Nicolas, you can send us an email. Uh, the email address is also in the show notes. Bye-bye. Um, Have a good time. Bye, everyone. Show notes as yep. well as Selectic and the Selectic page. And if you want to get in touch with Nicolas, you can send us an email. Uh, the email address is also in the show notes. Bye-bye. Um, Have a good time. Bye, everyone.